0: It all begins with this gate drop. Hello everyone, welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast, the motocross coverage fans want. I am Steve, with me as always is Jesse. What's going on Jesse? Glad to have you back man. I would wish I could say it was good to be back, but it's a little chilly here. <laughs> uh, Key West was amazing. I'm sure it was. Wherever ha- you happen to be listening to this, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time we upload a new show. Don't forget to visit our website, wwwpower the to the Check out for giveaways, merch, and other exclusive web content that will be coming soon. And the Jug Club. Do not forget to jump on and join the Jug Club now while it is... The price that it is now. Um, And share with your buddies. Let's get everybody in on this and give, once again, the coverage you guys all want. Um, Let's do it. Let's do it. So, first of all, before we do anything else as far as the races go, um, we need to talk about a trending theme here the last few weeks, and that's the coverage. They need to put more guests in the booth. Yeah. Yeah, they need help. They need help. They They need an army
1: yeah of help (laughs) so this is
0: two weeks in a row now they've had a rider up in the booth so last week it was chad reed um and we talked that uh, then about how great it was to hear his insight and his kind of thing but even the 16 year old jet lawrence who was a guest for the first or second uh 250 heat yep um was great he gave some insight from a 16 year old newly pro rider and it was just it was awesome breakdowns and descriptions of what he saw going on on the track, and he completely outshone once again everybody else. So um, I think that's something you need to continue doing. And I will give Ricky credit where credits due. Twice yesterday, he gave us actual good insight and coverage. Uh, a couple of times, so yep. there was the whoops stuff, and actually that was more Daniel uh, Daniel Blair talking about uh, web jumping through the whoops. Yep, That gave him a lot of time. Um, Ricky talking a little bit about why Webb was taking lower lines through turns. Um, we had some good 250 versus 450 breakdown right. and what With, the difference was, but that was Jet. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, but uh, to his credit, Ricky
1: jumped in when they were talking about clout and started talking about, you know, the difference in where you need to keep the
0: RPMs based on the, which bike you're on. And uh, the starts was yeah. the other one I was. That was, the, that was the really big one um, when they actually described kind of the process of, of what you do with a start. You start in second gear. At some point, you have to hit third gear. But while you're shifting, you need to keep the bike in the power. So, you know, and that's a lot of times the difference between the guys who get that crazy jump and get out front and the guys who get stuck in the pack. Right. Um, so improvements maybe they're listening to us um maybe somebody <laughs> just pulled them aside and said hey can we not do this granted the rest of the broadcast was you know more of the same yeah um but there was there was some improvement and they really do need to bring more guests in
1: yeah there was um uh, first of all shout out to the australians uh that's two for two that <laughs> they've been uh significant contributors to the booth crew but Another big thing that I noticed last night is there was a significant swing in the amount of time that Ricky was talking versus the amount of time that Ralph was talking. Um, l- most of the time and typically when you have a play-by-play guy, which is what Ralph is, um, they do the majority of the talking and the other person is there for color to add insights and you know all that. Uh, last night, it was pretty close to like, 5050
0: yeah it was more conversational
1: yeah and and Ricky took a, a larger role in pushing the conversation on
0: well I think you know we bash on Ricky a lot and you know in some ways rightfully so he really needs to get it together in, in a lot of ways but I I found you know the weak link in their coverage is absolutely Ralph yeah um, Ralph offers zero to the conversation other than just You know, let's go down to Daniel or let's go down to Will or Ricky, what do you think about this? And sometimes he'll ask a question that, you know, uh, gets Ricky talking about something insightful. But for the most time, he'll say, Ricky, what do you think about this? And Ricky say, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. (laughs) And there's just nothing there. Um, So Ralph is really the weak link, which is why you know, before Ralph, we had a much more interesting coverage because the conversation got more in-depth. So right. um hate to bash on the guy, but Ralph is really the weak link at this point.
1: He really is. And I think we knew that before he came back anyways. <laughs> we did, but, we, were, we were talking about it. <laughs> we were like, please just
0: keep. I, I uh, For the life of me, I can't remember the other guy's name. I know. So. I said I was going to look it up, but I was in Key West, and I kind of forgot. So, oh, poor you. Um, I know. It was, it was <laughs> so rough. Um, my nose is a little burnt. I don't know yeah, you I can tell. It's been peeling. Hey, sunscreen—it's a thing. <sighs> don't need sunscreen. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm only a little sunburnt. Uh so I mean, I think that pretty much covers the—you co- know—gets the coverage out of the way. A little bit of improvement here and there. More guests. Ralph's the weak link. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's just move on. We'll bash him again next week. I'm sure. Um, the track this week was interesting. Very interesting. Um, I thought it was a good track. It was pretty quick. Yep. Um. Interesting rhythms, great whoop section, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy, but, um, significant because it was, they were back to back. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge swing for a lot of riders was that whoop section.
1: Not a lot of passing opportunities throughout the track.
0: No. And the one that guys just kept coming back to wasn't working. So right. it was that turn. It was the second to last turn of the track before the finish, finish line. They go across the start straight after it. It was the one um, right after the whoop section, actually. Yeah. Yep. So, um, the line was outside, carrying momentum through the through the jumps, across the finish, uh, across the start straight, and then into your turn into the finish. Right. Um, what riders continuously throughout the night tried to do was to cut inside on that turn instead of carrying momentum through the outside. Which in certain tracks and in certain rhythms, we've seen that absolutely work. Yeah, you don't have the momentum, but you cut off enough of the track to where you can make a pass or get yourself in a position to make a block pass. Right. That turn was too wide to make a block pass. You weren't able to, when you cut it off, get in front of the rider going around the outside. And you lost so much momentum going through that inside. Um, Every single rider who tried that line except for one in one one instance uh, lost time. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah. Not only
1: did you not get the pass that you were looking for, you also lost like 20 bike lengths it was in in a split
0: second it was significant drop it wasn't like oh you, you know you drop back a bike length that you can make up but it was worth it it wasn't worth it and you lost so uh, ferrandis tried it a bunch of times in the 250s before yeah. he finally stopped and made the pass in the right spot um, Webb tried it a few times, did not, did work. not work. And when Ciencerulo did it while he was in front, he got past. So it was just, I'm not sure if why somebody wasn't watching out for that. And maybe the 450, you know, mechanics and spotters are looking at the 250s going, wow, that did not work. Let's go ahead and not do that. Um, because enough riders tried it to where they just, they had no idea. They had to have no idea that it was that slow.
1: Yeah. Cause they just kept doing it. And the, the only rider that made it work. And unfortunately, they made a cut right before he made that move was Anderson. Um, and they they were showing him on the broadcast. He was about to make the move in that spot. And then they cut down on the other side of the start straight. So he's coming at the so camera. So he's coming at the camera. And, and he you was couldn't, in front. And right. And you couldn't see how he made it work.
0: What it looked like happened, and I think the only thing I can think of that would have made that that viable is that uh, Anderson came from the outside So a lot of the riders, when they tried to make that inside line work, they were already on the inside going into the turn. So you had to stop your momentum to make that turn. What it looked like was Anderson might have taken from outside and took a sharp cut to the inside to carry a little bit more momentum through that inside line because he didn't go inside to outside through the turn. He stayed on the inside, but he still ended up in front. The only way to make that work is momentum. So if Webb – yeah, it was in the heat with, yep. uh, with Webb. So if Webb stayed to the outside carrying those momentum, Anderson goes outside inside and into that cut, and he carries enough momentum to make the jump anyway, then, yeah, you would lose a little bit of time I and mean, you would cut some time down there. I'll have to watch it
1: back because going into the turn, if I remember correctly, he was on the inside, but coming out of that turn, there was this crazy rut that everybody was making It's the same. It, it was a 90-degree turn, mm-hmm. first of all. And that rut went at a 45 after that turn and went at a 45 right to the outside. And the intention that everybody was trying to do was to block make pass. that block pass. But when they came to that, that cut and you saw
0: Anderson coming down that straight, he didn't follow that rut. He was on the inside. Step. He was on all the way to the inside. So that I think that that's kind of what I'm saying is that the way he went, he the way he cut that turn was that he didn't try to go across the track right. he stayed to the inside and i wonder if that allowed him to keep enough momentum to make the jump that nobody could make when no, they did right. that and that's what cut that time down and gave him the pass so yeah it um, was it was it,
1: i don't understand why anybody was even trying the inside at any point in that race it was clear after watching the first after watching the 250 heats they should – like, everybody – That was should. it.
0: Yeah, because we said it a few times. Like, wow, yeah, that's definitely not a good line. And usually when we point that stuff out, right, we say, wow, you know, that inside is really not working. That yeah. you guys have tried that. You see guys stop doing that shortly thereafter because they learn. They're like, wow, okay, that wasn't faster. It's part yeah. of the race, right? You learn what's happening with the track, what's speeding up, what's slowing down. It just didn't seem like anybody <laughs> learned that lesson in that race. Uh, Ferrandez did. Uh, but did. But it took him, like, three or four tries. Three tries, yeah. Um, Webb did – I think as well. It also took him a while, and then Ciancerullo tried it, which cost him the position. Right. Uh, Ciancerullo was doing a good job. We'll get to the 450s, but um, that that same move is what is what caused that. So my biggest complaint about this track was it was too short for me. Yeah, it was like 45 second laps, and it was a faster track, which is cool, but uh, the shortness of the track made it so that there was a lot more lap traffic than typical like you're always going to get a little bit of lap traffic it's part of the sport i've accepted it i'm okay with it and for the most part lap riders get the hell out of the way right um which they need to do but yesterday there was too much lap traffic and it it really did have a certain effect i mean i don't think it affected the outcome i thought the riders who should have won one um, but it definitely slowed some guys up. Ferrandis and Forkner battling definitely had to deal with some lap traffic. And even Webb trying to make the pass on Rulo for a while was getting caught. It was yep. just way more than usual. And I just wasn't a fan of the extra lap traffic because of the short track.
1: Right. Especially on a track that already doesn't have very many passing opportunities. Right. You throw the lap traffic into it and it's, you know, some of those lap, some of those Passing
0: opportunities
1: are just completely taken away because of the...
0: I actually said that uh, about Ferrandez at one point. I was like, he keeps getting up on Forkner's tire. And there's been a few times where it looked like this is a perfect opportunity to make a pass. And there was a lapped rider there. There was a lapped rider there. There was a lapped rider there. And it was just, it was so often that I actually had to mention it. Like, wow, every time he gets up on his tire, he can't make a pass because they're dealing with lap traffic. So, you know, the tracks have gotten better. I think, and my, I think the tracks overall have gotten better as the weeks have gone on. We've had faster tracks, we've had fun tracks, um, but definitely the shorter track with more lab traffic had a huge effect
1: yeah. yesterday. And it's clear that they've been using um, new people to design some of these tracks instead of the same person over and over again. Because some of the, in years past, some of the tracks have gotten a little um, monotonous. Um, not this year. It's they've a difference. changed
0: it up a lot. Yep. I, I, I'm a big fan of how that they've progressed, uh, and the whoops. So somebody yelled at somebody because the whoops at the beginning of this season were just tre- tre- treacherous, right? Treacherous. They were too deep. They were too far apart. Riders are going down left and right, and it was always the whoop section. Um, they were perfect yesterday. Yeah, I thought I that agree. the the, the whoop sections yesterday was exactly what a whoop section in a Supercross track should be.
1: I was a little worried at first when I when I first saw the preview of the track. Because there was two long whoop sections back, back to back. back, and I was like, "What are they doing?" But once I actually saw the riders going through them, they they were they were they were put together very well. They were spaced so, perfectly. Yeah. They
0: were they weren't too deep. They weren't you know, um, they did you know obviously deteriorate over the course of the race, but that's fine because then you saw the riders that were able to adjust. Like Webb started you know who was jumping through the whoops, and normally that's not the faster way to get through whoops. So. Right. Um, it was yesterday. So I, I added an interesting dynamic to the race. Speaking of races, <laughs> talk a little two fitties, get into the two fitties. Um, so my first note here for the two fifties, yep. Ferrandis was fast. Ferrandis was very fast. That was, that's my, that's my note. Like that's yep. <laughs> not much else need to be said about it. So, he looked solid. Forkner. Yesterday.
1: Forkner is a fast rider. Yes. There's no doubt about it. The guy, the guy is just on rails like 90 percent of the time um the only reason Ferrandis didn't win yesterday or win last night by like 30 seconds was because he kept trying to hit that spot on the track where he the, took
0: too long to make the pass yes yeah,
1: and he still ended up winning by like 10 12 seconds yeah so and he made a it was a late pass there was only like four or five laps left. Yeah, they it was, by the time it was pretty he made late the pass. in the race. Yeah. But so, you
0: knew it, it was one of those it was an inevitability. He just yeah. he kept getting up on his tire and you know that Forkner was holding him back, but between the lap traffic and the really terrible, terrible attempts at making passes in the wrong spots, um, he just sat in second way too long. He yeah, you're right. He he could have made that pass ten minutes earlier in the race right. and just won away with it 30, 40 second win. So we made a prediction weeks ago
1: that um, Ferrandis was going to turn himself into a villain, and let's just—that l- happened. Every time this guy gets a mic put up to his face, the crowd in every city,
0: boos. It's and it's not even like you hear some booze; like they're they're like drowning out the interviewers, yeah. and and Ferrandis with their booze. Like yeah. he is absolutely hated. In every city. It's to, ridiculous. To the point where Will
1: has to, like, yell the question to Ferandis so that he can hear yeah. what she's saying.
0: Right. It, it's, it's, it's kind of insane. And now, look, a little bit deservedly so. We talked about it. You know, we need villains in this sport. And he certainly put himself in that position by being a bully, especially right. with the Christian Craig thing. Now, he is going to get scrutinized for every Everything. pass that he makes. I want to say I I was incredibly impressed with the pass he made on Forkner. I know it was aggressive, right? It was definitely an aggressive pass. He came in hard on him. But the way that he did that skid turn in yep. his break, he didn't actually, like, bump him. It's not like he skidded into it and bumped him off the track. No, which he just is took away the line. Similar to what he did with Christian Craig, but he controlled it this time. Right. He took away the line. He skidded into the turn. He forced Forkner to check up because Forkner does not like to check up, something we'll talk about. And then carried his, you know, and the, he didn't carry momentum because he skated through it and then just gained momentum going back through Whereas his Forkner went off the track. Right. Um, I thought it was a really, really impressive pra- pass. It was aggressive and it was a little bit bullish, but it wasn't, I don't think it was dirty by any stretch. No. You know, uh, the
1: the difference between that pass and the one that he made that took Christian Craig completely out that they showed in the broadcast at a completely inopportune time, Yeah. Um, he was in control of his bike. Yeah. That was the, the biggest difference. He, he, it was clear that he, had, he saw in his mind, before he actually made the pass, on the other side of the whoop section, he was like, this is going to set me up. I know exactly what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it. As opposed to when he took out Christian Craig, it was clear. It was like a last second ditch effort that he was like, this is how I'm going to do this. Right. Work, whether it works or not.
0: And, you know, uh, it, uh, oddly enough, I think the Christian Craig situation and, and kind of being under the scrutiny and now a villain has caused Ferrandez to be more conscious of that kind of stuff. He's right. still, he still rides aggressive and I think he knows that's part of his style. He needs to ride aggressive. Um, But everything he's done since that point has been clean. Yeah, aggressive but clean. Um, so he's still bullying guys around the track, but it's it, it's in a way of I'm not going to be dirty, but you better check up or you're going off the track, right? You know, and and I'm I'm okay with that style of riding. So I have actually been pretty impressed with the Ferranis's ride in the past few weeks and how he's able to kind of walk back that that over the top aggressiveness and just be um, clean aggressive.
1: Yeah. And it's clear that he's going to be scrutinized because basically every time he passes somebody, they show that Christian Craig.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, the broadcast isn't helping. No. It, and and look, I get it. It's I hated that move as much as anybody else. You know, and and we we tore Ferrandez apart for that on this podcast. Um, and rightfully so, but you also have to give credit where it's due. He seems to have learned a little bit of his lesson. He rides that edge, but he's got himself under control. And he even said, they mentioned it in some interviews, um, yeah, every time I go to make a pass now, that's in the back of my head. These guys are watching me. They're going to They're going to screw. If I do something over that line again, I'm going to get fined or penalized for it. Um, so he knows that, and I think he's cleaned it up. And let's be honest, he didn't need to make an aggressive pass yesterday. He was so fast, right. he was going to get around Forkner at some point. Nobody was nobody was catching him yesterday. As long as he started close to the front, he was winning that race.
1: Yeah, all he had to do was learn that one lesson about that one spot. And as soon as he learned that lesson, that, that was the difference. What's
0: funny is he made the pass in that spot. In that spot. He just didn't cut the corner that time. Right. He just took Forkner high going around the outside in that turn and we were like, see, that's how you do it in that. If you're going to make a pass in that corner, which is really wasn't even a good corner to pass in, let's be honest. Right. Um, but if you're gonna do it there, that's how you do it. You take it high, you try to make the block pass up high, you don't cut that corner because then he carried his momentum to through.
1: Yeah. Oh, I just keep coming back to people just cutting down on that corner. And I was literally jumping out of my chair. Every single time. Every time. (laughs) What
0: are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, So, Ferentis looks great. Uh, Forkner was was solid yesterday. He just... He continues this, this trend that I've just had a blast ripping him for of destroying the competition in the heats, talking crap, and basically being like, yep, that's what I'm going to do in the main event. And right. guess what happened yesterday? Yep. <laughs> and
1: uh, Will called him in the interview right after the heat race, too. Oh, was she was great. Basically, what she said was, that was a great heat race. You weren't really racing against anybody, <laughs> but that was a great heat so race. She
0: almost said that exact thing. She just said it in like a really passive-aggressive, nice way. Right. Uh, this is why Will is flat out the best part of these broad- broadcasts. Is she is not afraid to go in on people. She's right. not afraid to bring up the things that think you go, Whoo. Mm-hmm. you know. what She did. She was like, "Look, you, you know, you you had a great start to the day. You've had a great practice and qualifying, and you know that was a great heat race. But you know the big competition wasn't in that one. How do you feel going into the main?" And it's like that was it. Legit question. Legit everything. Nothing was false. But it was just that subtle, your main competition wasn't in that. So how do you... And it was just this subtle little jab at Forkner. Like, stop being so cocky until you finish first in the race. Right. Um. So he did. He just... He had a solid ride. He looked fast. But Ferrandis was faster and really, if Ferrandis had made that pass earlier, it would have been a bigger gap. So I just think, uh, Forkner's got something in his head. I think he needs to work out for the main events going into, you know, the last few races of the season after the break. Yeah. And it's that thing that he needs to work out is definitely not his starts because he got the whole shot again. Yeah. That's, he starts great. He's one of the fastest riders out there. Um, just can't—he's he's having trouble finishing main events now. I don't know if it's his conditioning or if it's, it is the mentality. I wonder if Ferranda's being on his tail for that entire race got in his head a little bit. Like, why can't I gap this guy? Right. Um, but uh, there's something going on there that, you know, this is a guy who's— Look, when they're both at their best, mentally, physically, all, all of the above, they get their starts— I would put my money on Forkner, but not by much, being the overall faster rider. Yeah. I think all th- all things being equal, again, starts, mentality, confidence, all that momentum. Uh, I would f- slightly give the momentum, uh, to give the bet to Forkner right. being, being faster, but something's going on in his head right now.
1: Yeah, and I think it's the confidence part. It's mm-hmm. exactly that, and it might be... The, the interview part that we're talking about might actually have something to do with that. Like he's trying to hype himself up. Like that's the only thing he can do is, you know, sound douchey in order to pump yeah, himself up Yeah, right. Just be like main. over the
0: – yeah, no, I wrecked it in that main, man. I wrecked it in that heat. So, you know, I'm going to go do that to those guys in the main too. You know, right. blah, blah, just to hype himself up. Yeah. I, maybe that's – maybe that's it, but it's not working. So <laughs> – because right. every time he's done that in the heat – now, again, I said this last week and it happened again – Every time he said something along those lines after a heat win, he has let down in the main. So um, like, I'm wondering if you know maybe his coaches and team needs to just kind of like smack him around and be like, "Listen, shut your mouth. Right. <laughs> Go out there and ride in the main. Especially if you get a hole shot. When you are the fastest qualifier and you dominate the heat like he did, um, and we get something similar to Ciancerulo, Like when you get out on the hole shot, you have a clear track for a good portion of the race before you hit lap traffic." Ride like you did in practice and qualifying because you were clearly the fastest rider there. You know the track. You know how to ride faster than everybody else on that track. So he did. He had a clear track ahead of him for a while and wasn't able to put Ferrandis away. So to me, that says it's it's in his head, not right. his riding.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, he did have to deal with the fact that Ferrandis did get a pretty good start. Um, and didn't waste time getting up on his back
0: tire either. Yeah. Um, Frantz also did qualify better than him, by the way. So that's, yeah. you know, the same can be said for, Ferrandis as well. So I don't want to make it, you know, Forkner did not, uh, qualify first. Um, you want to go through the, uh, the results here? Yeah. So I think when we hit, we hit the first two talked about that. I mean, there was some good riding there. There was, it was a lot of back and forth. Yep. Um, Ferrandis absolutely had Forkner in the whoops. He was up on his back tire at the end of those whoop sections every single lap. Um,
1: so we will uh, – let's just do uh, Cooper. I'm
0: just, I'm just going to list off the top ten real quick.
1: And okay. Then, and then, um, you know, when it stops being relevant, we can stop talking about them.
0: So Cooper, finished in third. So I think me personally am going to uh, bite the bullet and say I may have um, – giving Cooper a little bit more growth than I think he actually—credit for more growth than he actually has gone through. And and that's not to say he's he's not—I mean, he's still riding great. He finished third. Um, but there is a clear gap between Ferrandis Forkner, and Cooper right now. Uh, he had a great start to the season, but he just hasn't shown the top-level speed that Ferrandis and Forkner now have and i don't know if it's just i mean did you watch his interview he just looks so defeated yeah and i w- after so many races of that type of mentality i wonder if it's getting to him maybe he still has got another year or two to, of learning before he's really a contender because i no longer think I, I don't know if he's just not there yet he, he doesn't seem to be a contender to me anymore yeah he definitely does not
1: have oh man it's snowing out when did that happen
0: All right. Uh, Rhode Island was like, oh, you're back from Key West. Here's a little (laughs) bit of shitty weather for you. I'm sorry. Well,
1: yeah. So um, he does not have the, um, what I would call
0: drop the hammer gear. Yes. Flat. That's it. That's, you know what? That's a great way to put it because he's clearly the, you know, a top three rider in this class. Um, He's still second in points. Yeah. Well, he set himself up great at the beginning of the season, too. Ferrandis did not show up for a few races. Right. And you said you called that one when Ferrandis figures out his starts. Watch out. Yep, because he's his starts are
1: they're they're creeping up. I mean, his average is his average every week is just getting a little bit better, a little bit better. Where'd he so start
0: it yesterday. He it started. Was up front.
1: In, he started in third. Yeah. yesterday, and and, and, and he made difference. he made that pass into second, basically in the second
0: turn of the race, and then it was just Forkner and Ferrandis. So, yep. yep, and. I mean, and how disheartening is that, you know, for Cooper, who also had a good start, right? Yep. He started He started in fourth, fourth yeah, yep. uh, to watch Forkner out front and then get, you know, the two guys you're competing with already out front and getting – like, you just it's got to be pretty disheartening for yeah. somebody who's already struggling a little bit with that kind of momentum, so – give him another year. I wanted it I wanted it to be this year, but for Cooper for me, I think you're going to we're going to need to see him another year in the pros before he kind of gets to that next level of drop the hammer gear and now you're you're chasing me in the points now. Right. Then in number
1: 4 spot, we have Michael moseman
0: I love this guy. I just he finished where he belongs, let's be honest. Yep. Um but he started out first. And boy, did he make it difficult for every rider who passed him to pass him. Um, Sorry, I'm just looking at the scoring sheet here, and it shows
1: um, Moseman's start as number one, but Austin Forkner
0: gets the whole shot credit. So the actual hole shot is when they cross that line, right? Right. So I wonder if Forkner crossed the line first, but Moseman, you know, took first like directly after that. But how, I mean, how would, how would Forkner
1: get the hole shot and get credit as the second start, second starter?
0: I'm not sure. Me why either. that would be. So the only thing I can think of is that Forkner crossed that whole shot line first, but maybe he didn't have momentum and Moseman immediately took first place so he gets credit for a first place start, which is basically what happened. Yeah. Or or they count it who's in first after the first lap is okay. where that that might. So whole shot is after that first turn that first place is maybe who's in first after the first lap because it did take um at least a lap to for Moseman to start getting shuffled back.
1: Yes, that is true, because Ferrandis was still behind
0: Forkner. Okay. Yeah, I I can accept that. (laughs) I think that might be the best explanation, (laughs) right? So who was in first after the first lap? So uh, Moseman who Was I, in first after the first I lap. I really, really, really hope he finds another gear speed wise. He's because gonna get Because He is out the best, ropes. he is the best rider for me to watch. Yeah, flat out in that in the entire 250s, he is the most exciting, exhilarating rider because nobody comes back at another rider like him when he gets past. Nobody. Truth. Um, he does have to figure out his whoops. That is the... Oh, they the were brutal. The biggest
1: thing... That's the biggest thing in his ride is he needs to figure out the whoops because he is just laboring through every single whoop section on every single track week in and week out. So he's going to work with somebody to figure that out. And uh, as soon as he does, man, as soon as he figures that part of his ride out, everybody's in trouble because... He's, he's we talked about it. He's young too. He, he's 20. He's yeah. 20. Yeah. Um, and he's uh, he's tenacious and
0: he is going to be a force to be reckoned with, right? I, I think so. Let's say he's you know, I can imagine a scenario where he, he's top one or two fastest riders on the track on a given night, and maybe you know, a Forkner for and makes a pass on him because you know, maybe they just found that section. Um, how many times have we seen a rider just get past and just let it go? Right. And then, oh, I'm going to ride behind him for a little bit. Maybe I'll try to pass back. Next thing you know, they're gapped and that's it. That's where they finish. Not with Moseman. Even if it means trying to run your ass off of the track on the next turn to make the pass back. And he did it for like three or four turns in a row trying to pass Ferandis. back. Verandes, With Ferandis, yeah. With Ferandis. yeah. Uh, three or four turns in a row. And at one point, I think he got it back for a short period of time, and then Ferandis took it back again. And I just I love that about him. And if he has the speed, then um, those pass backs he can actually make stick, and he'll be easily the best rider in the 250s to watch.
1: Yeah, actually, he made, he did make a pass back after Ferandis got past him, And um, it was that turn that sealed the deal for Ferrandis staying in front of him. It was that
0: turn after the whoops. Yeah, because I remember you saying, why are you doing that? Yep. Yep. So, um, and yet another rider making that mistake. Right. Um, Moseman's on the cusp, man. I think him and Cooper both have a little bit of learning to do in certain aspects of their game. Um, But by far the most exciting rider in the 250s is Moseman. Yep, Absolutely. Then at number five, the hero of the day, he made his way up. Wow, he made his way up. All right, so he had a rough start, and that's the biggest thing for for the big guy, uh, the big three zero. Uh, yep, heart man, heart man, heart man. He's all heart. Um, he needs a good start, and the races where he's finished the, the best was the races where he got a good start and then took advantage of you know other riders' mistakes. He started in eighth, and good for him for working up to fifth, but they started in tenth actually. Did he? Yep. Oh, so he got up to eighth pretty quick then. Yep. Um yeah. So when I first was like, Hey, where is he? He was in eighth. So he had already made a few passes. So good for him. He worked his butt off. And he is another tier two, you know, rider right now yep. that that might have just one or two adjustments to make to be considered a, you know, a top contender in the two fifty class. Um definitely needs to keep those starts up though, otherwise he's gonna start getting shuffled back.
1: Yeah. Uh, another rider that's just gotta figure out the whoops. He, unlike Cooper though, um, I mean, he, he has some technical stuff that he needs to work out in his ride, but um, he does have that aggressive drop the hammer gear that Cooper does not have, um, which is interesting. He just, he happens to have a lot of holes in his just technical ability to ride the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, if he can figure out those, those technical issues, and also keep the um keep that extra, that, that extra gear that he has um he i i, I don't think he'll be a, a title contender but
0: he's definitely going to have a one of those guys that can make it make things interesting for the top yeah, guys on a exactly. regular basis and the good thing about having holes in your technical game is that those can be filled right. with training coaching practice you know those are kinds of things mentality Heart, drive, consistency, those are things that are a little bit tougher to coach into a rider. Um, maturity, you know, like some of that stuff just comes with time and experience. But if it's like, look, you know, you have a tendency to do this technical thing or that technical thing on these turns or the whoops, you're doing this, you should try this. Those are holes that can be filled and that, that'll that only improve his, his riding. Right.
1: Then after uh, – oh, by the way, if you are listening to this podcast for the first time and you're wondering – who is the hero of the day? The hero of the day is Brandon Hartraft, <laughs> That's right. By the way, That's right. you got to go back and listen to <laughs>
0: for for the last couple of weeks of episodes to kind of catch up on it. He is uh, one of our our favorite underdog riders out there because of the uh, the couple of podiums in a row he got that he totally lucked into. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just amazing to see, and then his reaction to knowing that you right. know it just it warmed warmed our hearts. <laughs> Oh, so he's a hero. So then we have number six
1: was Luke Clout, um, another Australian. And this is the one that was – he sparked the conversation with uh, Jet Lawrence and Ricky Carmichael when they were talking about the differences between the 450 and the 250. Um, Yeah, he he had a good start. He started out in fifth, um, ended up in sixth. Um, It's just a – solid ride for him and he seems to be
0: cranking those out week in week out i wonder if uh you know because we've seen a lot of times uh overseas riders come in and just start dominating um or even if not right away like they just tend to do really really well over here i wonder if it's just an adjustment for him maybe you know another couple of weeks of adjustment and maybe he actually starts looking at like contending for podiums or if he's kind of where he's going to be right now but and either way you're right solid you know solid rides basically every week he's been in so yeah. far he's he's put in a solid ride so this is just uh you know another member of the australian cult that chad reed has started over there really just yeah, cranking just, out motocross they riders they're just coming from there just non-stop now you yep. know, it's an invasion <laughs>
1: <laughs> then in the uh number seven spot we had jacob hayes um he had some some uh issues in the heat race i believe he went down um then we had carson brown after that and Derek drake and then the sole survivor of the suzuki team bike manufacturer he's the only suzuki out there in the 250s
0: um alex martin so I mean he had a better finish than the uh 450 Suzuki representative so <laughs> the souls the sole Suzuki. Suzuki representative what dude that is so weird like what ha- they just stopped trying they just yeah. don't care anymore. And that's uh that's your top 10 for the 250s um
1: then we go down to the the point standings um Forkner needed this one and he didn't get it. He definitely needed it did not get it. Uh so we have Ferrandis he maintains the red number plate he's got 135 points then we have uh justin cooper in second at 128 points so he's still only seven points down um then we have austin forkner in third with 122 so it's still still tight still tight and then you got a then you got a pretty big uh drop off to the hero of the day sitting in fourth with 110 points
0: so two things um forkner really needs to figure this out if he wants to get get up there and start pushing to contend there's not that many races left in in the uh the west class um, and they have that break so maybe the break will be good for him but if he wants to compete uh he needs to find a way to stay in front of herndis yeah um that being said as much as I just kind of you know said that cooper isn't really there yet for me he's only seven points back in second place for the championship, right? meaning he has been consistently good enough and podiumed enough and up there enough to do what we always say. It takes consistency to win a championship. Um, so if ferranis and Forkner start going at it and one of both of them starts going down with all the aggressive riding, which kind of seems like it's only a matter of time, right? there is a chance that Cooper steals a race or two and... Runs away with this thing. Like, yeah. He's absolutely still there. So when I say he's not a contender, I meant, I guess, on pure speed, on a race-to-race basis. I just don't feel that he's fast enough to to keep up with the Frandis and Forkner when they're good. He is absolutely a championship contender. He's only seven points back. Right.
1: Yeah, The um. if I were to put numbers on it, as far as which one of those riders is least likely to end up at on the ground at some point over the course of the, of the season, the remainder of the season, Cooper, Cooper,
0: yeah, he's 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 that consistent. Yep, uh, Fernandez is too aggressive to to even think that he doesn't end up in the ground at some point. And because he's so aggressive and he's going at it with Forkner, it's probably a good chance that Forkner ends up on the ground, especially because Forkner doesn't want to check up ever, ever. Yeah, his, his I think that's his biggest. Uh, problem when getting past so far. He know he's fast enough to make a make a pass back, but he's he, somebody goes to make a block pass on him and he tries to fight through it every single time and and they're just listen, there's a difference between good fast hard riding and smart riding. And I think the smart move for him, he did it, he did it on the pass yesterday. Uh Ferrandez went in for the block pass and instead of just, you know, checking up and letting Ferrandez get the pass and then just getting back behind him and Looking for an opportunity to make a pass back, um, he did. He did end up having to check up because of how you know Ferrandez came in, but he ended up going off the track, and and that cost him. It was immediately a six point six second gap, and there was just no chance from that point. So I think Forkner really needs to learn to um, let it go, let it happen, go get him back. He's fast enough, yeah, to get him back. So, um, but the two of them. Are bound to take each other out at, at some, some point. point, and that opens a huge door for Cooper.
1: Yep, he's just got to stay in that spot. If he keeps pulling out the podiums, he's got a he's got a chance.
0: Yeah, I think any one of these three has a legitimate chance to to take the championship this year. If I had to put it at this point going into the break, I think Ferrandis is probably still a favorite. Um, just he's riding too good right now, and he's yeah. figured his starts out. I would actually put Cooper ahead of Forkner.
1: I agree. Yeah, I because think, of the consistency. I think that where it is right now, I think this is the. I think this is the championship right here. You've got one, Frandsen one, Cooper two,
0: Forkner three. I agree. It's been a great 250 West. I'm, I'm so I am kind of excited to see the the East start. Yeah. but it's it's almost a little disappointing to know we have to wait as long as we have to wait to see. Um, what happens with these three because they're so tight in the championships and these races are getting really, really close. So
1: one more honorable mention before we move on to the 450s. Jet Lawrence is still in 15th place in the championship (laughs) point standing.
0: Also, he is as good in the booth as he is on the track. Like This kid's got a career for the rest of his life. He's the
1: opposite of Ricky Carmichael, who is just as bad in the booth as he is good on a dirt bike.
0: Right. No, Jet. he's got it. He had the the charisma, the personality. He knew how to talk. And at 16 years old, man, the kid's got a bright, bright future. He's clearly intelligent. So that says a lot of things about his ability to grow, learn, and adapt to the challenges of being a professional rider. We already talked about his speed and natural talent. So – um, just gonna go ahead and hang my hat on Jet. I'm being by the end of his career, I would not be surprised if we're talking about him being one of the best ever. Me either. That's gonna wrap up the 250s. Uh, good racing yesterday, man. We had the three people we wanted to see up front, up front, and uh, it finished pretty much how I think most people would have expected it to. You know, I think you could have swapped Forkner for Enders for, as far as predictions go, um, but Enders was too good. So, um, let's talk about some 450s right after the break. Don't forget, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can subscribe so you're notified every time we upload a show. Share with your buddies. Let's get this out there. Get more people listening to the coverage that the fans want. Uh, 450s, I, I'm i not going to lie. Uh, they were, it was good raising. I was slightly disappointed because the two guys that we want to see up front were not up front. But that gave us Webb and Ciancerullo. And that was cool. Yeah. So yeah.
1: I actually, in the bigger picture, was glad that that happened yesterday because it made the big picture so much more interesting. Um, yeah. So let's dive right into this because I think we we did a good job of kind of going over the track where everything was happening happening on the track and the same basically the same things that were happening with the two fifties
0: were. Also happening with the 450s. Yep. Rullo was out front for most of the race. Yeah, Webb did that stupid, dumb, don't do that pass, and then figured it a out a bunch of times, and then figured it out. Yep, it was the same thing. Well, he, he, he so he figured out not to go the inside on the at the same time, Ciancerulo tried to go to the inside, right. and that cost him the spot. Exactly,
1: and it was that same exact spot that cost Forkner the first place spot it was the same exact spot that caused sian the the first place spot um so i mean in in a nutshell that spot dictated the it really did the, that, the entire that was race. the
0: defining uh, section of that track and the defining moments of the race all happened in that section of the yeah. track so let's uh let's go through yeah let's let's talk about web because yeah. what Webb just did was make this a legitimate three rider race for the championship again yeah
1: i'm we can't even call this a three rider championship because of where tomac and roxon finished yesterday um this really is uh, no exaggeration looking at these points this is a legit six rider um sorry yeah six. where did We'll say five rider uh championship okay. right
0: now. Let me say this. Okay. You are absolutely right that technically there is such a small points gap between first and sixth that any one of these six riders has a legit shot for in the ridiculous amount of races we still have to go to win the championship. I'm telling you on paper, not on paper, in my eyes, my my eye test, the only three riders I see actually Following through and running away or winning this championship are the top three.
1: Okay. Uh, I would come back with you and say that yesterday, Justin Barsha linked up with Eli Tomac, did not let him get away, finished two seconds back from him, and kept Roxon behind him for the entirety of the race and finished four seconds in front of him. In fifth. In fifth, yeah, but so did so, Eli Tomac and Ken Roxon
0: Yeah, I, and so they didn't have great days either. Uh, the the biggest difference is that they've they've had great races for the past few weeks, and right. Barsha has not. So I I you're right, and, and it took a while for Tomac to pass Barsha, and Roxon couldn't pass Barsha, which is really surprising. So good on him, and and if that's the momentum he needs, if talking to Ryan Villapoto and getting some mentorship, like they talked about, was what he needed, great. Finish on the podium and I will change my mind. Right. When he finishes on the podium, I will change my mind about Varsha. But until then, I do not give him a legitimate shot in winning this championship. For me, it is Roxanne Tomac Webb, who Webb forced his way back into this yesterday yes. with a phenomenal ride. Um, He he kind of grabbed it and he said, no, 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 guys. You two are not running away with this. Uh, I'm still here. And so now we're back to kind of where we were last year. Where he said, you know, all right, it took me a few races, but here I am. And so Webb force his way in. I would put money on any one of those three to win. If you told me, if you put a gun to my head and I said, I had to put money on one of the other three to win, I wouldn't do
1: it. Okay. I basically yesterday was a story of starts. That's basically, 100%. um, so let's just go through. And when I'm going through the top, we'll go through the top six, the top six. And I'll let you know where they started. Okay. Um, so we had Cooper Webb, Cooper Webb, who won the race, um, started in second. So obviously we talked about Webb, you know, he, he made a, a great pass on Sienso Rulo when he finally figured out that defining spot on the on the track, and he ended up getting the win.
0: Uh, he had the pace on Sienso Rulo too, yeah. um, uh, especially towards the end where Webb is strongest, uh, Ciancerulo has had a tendency to fade at the end of races. I think that's you know one of the things he needs to work on is finishing strong in these races. His endurance, his conditioning. Um, but even before then, you know, Webb had the pace for most of that race, yep. and just needed to make the pass to make it stick.
1: Agreed. So obviously, with them, we had Ciancerulo, who finished in second. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Um, he finished in second, started in first.
0: Yep. So, this, I did want to spend a little bit of time talking about Cian Terulo because we we've I've been back and forth on him a little bit. You've been fairly consistent that he's just not there yet and wasn't going to be there, you know, from probably majority of the season. I thought he was going to come in and start just making waves. He's been solid. He's been up there. He's been running with those guys. He has been too easily discouraged on passes, and he is not very good at finishing. He has been very critical of himself in all of his interviews, and he knows that every single race for him is a learning experience, an opportunity to grow. I thought yesterday was the biggest stride we've seen him make as a uh, 450 rider. Agreed. To to the point where – yeah, I don't
1: think that he's there yet to be a legitimate contender. However, what I saw yesterday was I do think he's going to steal one. I think
0: he's I he's going to get one of these races. His start was awesome yesterday. Yeah. Like he he jumped out front. Like it wasn't even really close. He committed to making that turn. And just went with it. He his start in the main kind of looked like Roxin's in this in Roxin's heat, where right. it was just the gate dropped and it was like there was no question whatsoever who was getting that that uh, whole shot. So, um, I I think it
1: all right. So then, uh, in number three, we had Baggett, who they have a start of six, but he is credited with the whole shot. And I do remember Baggett did get a really good jump mm-hmm. in in the start. Um, he was just, um. He was good yesterday. He was. This is probably his best ride of the year. First of all, absolutely. As as a whole, um, he wasn't quite good enough to catch up to those guys. He was getting, but there, he though. was getting there. He was just, a if, few more laps, and he may have been able. He may have been able to get into the mix with. I, at
0: least, I I think another like one or two laps, and he catches the answer below, No no question.
1: Yeah. I 100% agree with that, especially given the fact that at the end of the race, Ciancio Rulo does tend to fade. And Baggett's another one of those guys that, you know, El Tupacabra, as as the second half of the race comes up, that's when he starts getting to his strong point.
0: I think uh, Webb and Baggett are two of the best finishers in the sport when it comes to just finding another second wind in a second half of a race these um and if you're if you're close to Baggett, if Baggett is close to you at the end of a race uh you better dig because he's gonna find that second wind and yeah he looked really good yesterday and it just he's such an enigma um he has not had a great season this year and he has really not shown up in the 450s at all but we know what this guy is capable of, and yesterday was a little bit of a flash of he can ride with the fastest riders on the track at any given race. Um, we've just thought he's never been able to consistently string them together. And I have no idea why that is the case. You, know,
1: you see him on on rides like he had yesterday, and he's just a, he's a solid um, top three finisher here. I mean, swap out Cooper Webb and Cianci Rulo for Tomac and Roxon, and I still think Baggett finishes right there just a couple seconds behind the two
0: of them because he was riding really well, especially at the end of the race last night. Yeah, Tomac wasn't able to catch him. I mean, I know he was a little bit far back, but it wasn't like, you know, Tomac was gaining, 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 and ran out of time. Like, Baggett was gaining on the leaders. So, right. I mean, that just it just says so much about how good of a ride he had yesterday
1: then we have in uh the fourth position who like you said um he was a little bit he w- was a little bit further back was Eli Tomac and i think when he made the pass into fourth on Barsha they were 10 seconds back yes um and he ended up it was ju- i think just under 8 seconds back when they came across the line um so he started in 10th and the reason he finished in fourth is because he started in
0: 10th. Yeah. I mean, look, had he started top three, four, or five, you know, he probably wins that race. Yeah. You know, at least behind Baggett. I mean, uh, not Baggett, Webb. At yeah. least behind Webb. Uh, Webb did look really good last night, but I think Tomac did have the overall pace on him. Uh, so if he was right there, I think Tomac would have won. And the, the the their starts as opposed to the web rulo starts, cost them a lot of legitimately important points in yeah. the championship yesterday. And the fact that they weren't able to make it up as much as we know that the two of them are capable of doing was was kind of costly. I wonder if both of them went into maintenance mode a little bit at some point. Um, Tomek looked like he was charging hard for a little while there. Uh, he, may, he was following Roxton up through the ranks for a while and finally – you know, he just said, screw this, went around, boom, made the pass on and took a little bit to make a pass on Barsha because Barsha's tough to pass. Right. And I'm like, wow, he's making a legitimate charge. I wonder if he's going to do this whole, like he had a good four or five minutes left in the race when he passed Barsha. There was time to catch Baggett if he had pushed a little bit and, and, and he wasn't able to do it. And I'm wondering if he was like fourth perfect maintenance mode time. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm in front of and the guy I'm behind in the points and I'm up and forth maintain be consistent let's let's call it a week you know and i and i'm wondering if roxon kind of had the same mentality of like you know what i can't get around barsha sixth is not terrible let me let me not risk going down and hurting my foot anymore or anything like that and we'll just we'll try again next week it's just the only thing way i can explain like the starts were starts but we've seen riders come back from they weren't that far back
1: yeah and that was i, I would absolutely agree that that's what happened i mean because he was, so Baggett, I believe, was four seconds back from from first, and um, Tomac was about eight seconds back. So there's a four-second difference between the two of them. And, you know, Tomac's capable of, for four laps in a row, riding a second faster than than the person in front of him. Um, but what do you risk at that point? I absolutely agree. There, there had to have been, they weren't showing, you know, Pit boards, pit boards, or you know any anything like that. So I don't know for sure, but it definitely that's what it looked like. It looked like it was in maintenance mode because of the poor the poor start. And Tomac he he started off in tenth, finished in fourth, and he didn't he wasn't passing you know
0: schlubs to get up there. It was still a that's here's the thing, right? We expect so much out of these two at this point. Yeah, but to start tenth and then end up in fourth, and you know. One of the guys in front of you was the reigning champ in, right. in, the, in the class. You know, I it's a still a solid ride for Tomac, um, and I think had he had Roxon continued to make passes, and if let's say Roxon was in fourth and Tomac was in fifth, uh, Rox uh, Tomac pushes. I yeah. think he still pushes, but I think once he realized there's only one guy ahead of him that he needs to worry about in the championship, and he was two paces behind him. Exactly. Cool, I'll take it here. I'll take it from here.
1: Yeah, that's basically what it came down to. Is it- he didn't have to win the race he just had to finish in front of roxson yeah um then we had in the number 5 position we had justin barsha who started in 7th um for for a good portion of that race it was barsha Roxon, tomac and they were just going on a on a they were just on rails just moving past people um and uh it was I think three three spots in a row all three of them just took because Barsha started out in 7th. He made his way up to 4th before, before Tomac passed him. So yeah,
0: they they would they consistently like Barsha made the pass, Roxen made the pass, Tomac made the pass. Barsha right. made the pass, Roxen made the pass. You know, they did that three times in a row. I think what happened was Tomac realized in my head what I'm seeing is Tomac realized Roxen is not getting around Barsha. I need to get around both of these riders, so I think that was because I, I made the mention while we were watching it. Said I'm pretty sure Tomac isn't trying to pass Roxin. I think he's just riding with Roxanne knowing that they can both move up front, and then he'll make the pass once they get a, a little bit more of right. a clear track, which is kind of what it looks like he did once they got up to the four, five, six positions. I think it was when Tomac said, "Okay, now it's time."
1: Yeah, and I, I, there was probably a little bit of strategy there as he saw because when when Tomac was um, right behind Barsha. Barsha was still within striking distance of Baggett. And um, I think there was there probably was a decision made by Tomac at some point when he started seeing Barsha falling off the pace of Baggett and Sansu, and Reb, and Webb in front of him, that really all he needed to do was put Barsha between him and Roxon. And
0: that was going to be the race. That's yep. what he needed to do. He and he ne- did it. Yeah. Uh, so on that note, as much as I'm giving, you know, we're giving Tomek a little bit of credit, a little bit disappointing for Roxon. Yeah. Um, starts are usually a strong point for him. Not a great start. I didn't quite see what happened in 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 the start, but he needs to be out front. Uh, that's where Roxon is at his best. Um he he made some moves. He made moves that he needed to make, but a sixth place finish for the guy who with the red plate, who has been on an absolute tear right. for the past you know a few weeks. Um, I feel like he's probably got to be a little bit disappointed. I'm wondering if the foot is bothering him. And for once, he's not making excuses. Right? <laughs> he actually tried to play it off. Right. Um, I'm wondering if maybe something happened there. There was he just didn't look like he had uh, uh, a
1: race pace. I don't know. I, I'm not sure the foot is anything. Um, it might not be. Is he looked really good in the heat? Oh um, my god, he
0: looked dominant. He looked in the fantastic. Heat. With the, so that was, was that was with the way he rided in the heat. <laughs> rided. <sighs> right, the Ricky. way he started and rode in the heat. Um. He was so dominant that my thought was it didn't matter where he started. I thought Roxon was winning yesterday. After I watched that heat, I was like, there is no doubt in my mind that if he stays on two wheels, Roxanne is winning. He is so much faster than everybody right now. This right. is ridiculous. Uh, unfortunately. I think um, for, it was, a, it was a, a
1: tough start, first of all. That first corner, it, you saw every single hole shot there was people riding. There was like half of the field was riding off of the track. Right. So it was a tough corner to get into off of the whole shot. So it was just kind of luck of the draw as far as where he started. He started a spot in front of Tomac. Um and I think that it was just a story of starts. He just and and then it got to the point where the 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 cost of of trying to move back in front of Tomac was just greater than uh that
0: very that could be the case he was so fast though i don't know how you make you know you get a bad start maybe a little bit discouraging but the way he was riding like it just felt like he could have made eight of those nine passes in the first you know five minutes of that race and now he's contending for a win um and he didn't have that kind of uh uh, a, a push right to to his riding, um, and and again, I'm not you know I'm not saying it was like a, a huge huge letdown for Roxin. I'm sure he's not happy with himself. Finishing sixth, he still got the points lead. Um, he maintained as best he could. And, you know the guys in front of him were all solid riders, so yeah, it's not like you know you can say that he he lost to some some schlubs. But uh, I think I just expected more in the main, despite the bad start, because of how amazingly dominant he was in the heat.
1: Yeah, he started out front in the heat, first of all, and that was that was something that we talked about with, with this track. This track just didn't have a lot of passing opportunities. Yeah. So he started off shuffled back on a track where he had competitive riders all in front of him and coupled with the fact that there really just aren't many passing opportunities. I think he was just a victim of circumstance as far as the starts go on this particular track. I don't think that's an indication of him fading.
0: No, into... not at all. Nope. I I completely agree. I think him and Ro- him and Roxon are. I mean, him and, Tomac. and Tomac are as right... opposed to his twin brother. That... Twin brother, the other Roxon. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're both right back up, in the you know, the, competing for podiums next week for sure. I agree. I agree. And then after that, you've
1: got Brayton Stewart uh, Osborne ended up finishing out in eleventh.
0: The only other notable rider that uh, is missing from that conversation is Anderson because we know he had some issues. Yes. And we can't figure, we can't find anything because coverage. Um, (laughs) We know he had the technical issues in the heat race, right? Right. Which was really impressive that he was able to, what was he, uh, third, fourth when he started? He was third. Yeah. He was trying to make a pass and like, uh, and then Webb passed him back, right? And we're and it was like, whoa, wow, that was a crazy pass back. And then suddenly Anderson starts like rolling through jumps, and like he clearly had a technical issue with his bike where he couldn't, you know, I don't know if he couldn't shift, he couldn't go a certain speed or whatever, um, maintained enough momentum at the because it was close enough to the end of the race where he actually made the transfer spot. So you thought, you know, maybe he gets those issues sorted out by the main, um, uh, but he he did not have a great night. No, uh, and I. I uh, again, I don't know what happened. He ended up, he
1: ended up back in twentieth. Um, he finished in fourteenth. Um, there was a report of him and Brayton coming
0: together coming together um, well so that's the thing we, we do know he went down at some point because of what happened with Brayton we right. never saw it because they never showed us it and I right. think someone like Anderson a former Supercross champion they would want to at least let us know what's going on with him right um didn't see it so I didn't even know he went down and I saw him in 20th and I just thought what is going what's on going Bike on? break again you know something like that so
1: uh, obviously his bike didn't break because he got back to 20th and he finished in 14th, 14th. So he was able to make some sort of a push and make some passes, but um, yeah, no reports on what happened with his bike. Um, we didn't see what happened with him and Brayton. The only thing that we have on that is a quote from Brayton. Um, I tried checking his Instagram to see if he had any update because um, Anderson's one of those guys he 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 puts stuff out on social media and on
0: uh, YouTube, but, but didn't I find anything. Haven't seen anything yet. You know, we need to just what we need to do is start making some connections with some guys on the inside, so we can give you guys the real scoop on what's going yeah. on, since no one else seems to want to be able to. Right. Um. So we're gonna get in touch with some of these guys. Let's make that yeah. <laughs> happen. Start acting like, hey, yo, dude, what happened there? You know, right. and get the in, you know, the inside story on what's going on. Um. I wonder why. I, I we still have no idea what happened to his bike in that first and that heat because they never told us. No. Nope. Um. Uh, didn't get to see the crash him going down in the main because they never showed us. So uh, just a a really rough, rough set of circumstances for Anderson last night.
1: And um, it set, I mean, Anderson, Anderson finishing there, there was a lot of movement made in the championship uh, point standings last night, and that cost him two spots in the, uh, the championship Um, so let's just go through. Yeah. Quick look at
0: championship standings. Yeah.
1: Then we've got, um, Ken Roxson holds on to the red number plate. Um, he is sitting in at 130 points right now. Then we have Eli Tomac in second, one point down at 129 (sighs) points. It's
0: so exciting. Like we could see this number plate shift between any one of these three riders within the next week.
1: Yeah. Um, then we have third cooper webb um, who bumped up two spots i believe
0: yep. yep yep he went from
1: fifth to third in one in one night um, he's sitting in at 121 points then we have justin barsha still sitting um, he dropped down one point one spot yeah he dropped down one spot to fourth he's sitting still 116 points he's only 14 points back then we have um, Adam Ciancerulo sitting in at fifth with 113, still only 17 points back.
0: I think that's so, it's incredible. And this is exactly when we did our supercross preview for the season. Yeah. One of the things that we talked about was so exciting coming into the season was the sheer depth of the field. Um, you know, usually we've seen in the past this time of year things start to shake out a little bit. You get your one. Sometimes it's one rider that's just already dominating. Sometimes you get the two that are kind of running away with it. Three, if you've got a good season parity. But we have five riders right now that are still within striking distance of the championship. Now, again, I maintain that I think there are only three that I would consider legitimate legitimate contenders for the championship. But that that could change. Right. Sanciero Rulo could just go on a streak and just figure it out and start winning races. Barsha could regain the momentum he had at the beginning of the season. I don't think that's going to happen, but it could and because of the way they've all set themselves up, they're all within striking distance. This is an incredibly diverse season. Yeah. Um it's it's been an absolute awesome to watch so far this year i still think you got rocks and tomac as your two biggest contenders cooper is making a strong case for that solid third though
1: yeah all it really takes is a couple more tracks where there's a rough start and then not a lot of passing opportunities and suddenly we've got a wide open championship yeah. run here
0: it's still pretty wide open yeah <laughs> it really is you know i mean we have our clear favorites our clear best riders on any given day but the, the whole points are, are completely wide open right now it's, yeah. it's it's been so much fun to watch six weeks It'll It'll be interesting it. to see what happens it in the next be, few weeks. It will be interesting.
1: Yeah, you're right. If it wasn't interesting, we wouldn't
0: watch. Yeah, Ricky. Thanks, Ricky. Thank you. Um, that, where are we going next this week? It's uh, we're going to the East Coast, Tampa.
1: Um, yeah, I believe so. Let me check it out real quick.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking sure the schedule because the East, the 250 East uh, Championship starts. Um, we're leaving the West Coast for a while. I think that's going to be you now. That's always one of those parts of the season for for the even the 450 riders who race the whole season. It's one of those things that kind of screws with them a little bit. I always you always see like that's around the time you see things. If there's going to be a change or a shakeup, you yeah. start to see them around that shift to the East Coast. The dirt's different, the air is different, the tracks are different, the weather's different. You know what I mean? And some of these riders jet are lag. jet lag can happen because these riders have been riding on the West for so long. So. If there's going to be a major shakeup, if a rider is going to just seize an opportunity, Tampa might be the the track to start doing it at. So this next coming week is going to be awesome.
1: Yep, yeah, and it'll be fun to see the 250 riders too. Um, yay, new I riders. Know. I still haven't seen. I'm pretty sure they uh, the reports are saying that Hunter Lawrence will indeed be back. So I want that's see, what I've seen. Yeah, yeah I want to see if uh if he is able to. Pull something out and say, "I am not the the underdog in the Lawrence family." <laughs> yeah,
0: right. uh, so. I, how crazy! Like the older brother is watching the younger brother get literally all of the accolades and the credit, and when you know doing as well as 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 he was doing and look deservedly so. That's got to light a fire, right? Right. Like he's a-
1: yeah. I mean, I don't have a younger brother. I have a younger sister, but I've got to think in my head. If my younger sibling was touted to be above me as far as expectations go.
0: And something you both are good at and passionate about. There's no way I'm allowing that to happen. Right. You're putting in that uh, as much extra time as you need to. So, yeah, I'm probably going to be rooting for Hunter in the East. Yeah. You know, let's be honest, uh, because he's Hunter. So. and he's a Lawrence at this point. I just I'm a fan of the family. I guess <laughs> when they have kids, I want to be fans of them too. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see Hunter finally on a, on a bike. But speaking of Australians, Reedy didn't go to an LCQ last night.
1: Yeah, he qualified. He qualified. Oh, man.
0: I mean, so he ended up pulling out of the race at some point. Though. Yeah, but issues, I mean, but
1: he made he qualified right out of the uh, out of the heat
0: race, and that, I, that was about. I am glad this is Reed's last season because I just, it's almost like, you know, the, like the Rocky movies where it's like the, the later ones where he's like, he's just an old man at this point and the yeah. guys are just kind of beating up on him. And like, dude, just, and everybody's just kind of looking like, I get it. You have the heart, man. We understand. And you were one of the best in your prime. Reed was absolutely one of the best in his prime. Um, I am absolutely glad to see him finally hang it up. But hopefully he goes in the booth next year. Glad to see him on his farewell tour. If he's getting absolutely all the respect he deserves, but he just doesn't have it anymore. And just to see him LCQ week after week and to not finish the races at a place like San Diego, he's got more wins at San Diego than any other rider ever with six. And he didn't even finish yesterday. And it's just, I don't know. Like, Cool farewell tour, and let's get it over with, man. You you absolutely will be enshrined as one of the best ever, and deservedly so.
1: Yeah. Let's put a poll out there on Facebook this week. Who would you rather see in the booth, Chad Reed or Ricky Carmichael?
0: The answer should be Chad Reed. Yeah. And I'm going to repost. But people, but people like to jump on Ricky's uh, back. We'll go with back. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Funny thing about my back, back. is <laughs> – um because he's Ricky, man. He is the greatest writer of all time, but that does not translate to the booth for him. No. So I, I know not. who I'm voting for is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. And then i uh, you know what I'm gonna do? After we get some, some feedback on that, I'm gonna repost that on the Supercross Live Facebook page and see if we can get them to notice it. Yeah, please for the Say, love You of know God. what, Chad? You know we know you're on
0: your farewell tour, but uh, we've got a job opening yeah. for you. Let's 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 talk about this, buddy. Even if you know what I would even be okay if they put Chad in the booth with Ricky. Yeah, because I think that would kind of keep Ricky's antics and lack of any kind of insight in check because I think if Reed starts saying – because we know Ricky's capable of it. He did it yesterday a couple of times. So if Reed starts talking about he's carrying the momentum through this section but the guys who are taking the inside don't have the momentum and then Ricky can come back and he can say, yeah, you know what? What I would like to usually do in this situation when I was riding is I'd take that outside but instead of doing this, I would do this and I think it would be the best of both worlds. I think that would be awesome you'd probably get a better ricky and you get a more interesting product in general yeah i could see that three 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 people booths have worked in sports in the past if you have the right combination so ralph we already know is the weak link get rid of him bring the other guy back get chad in there three person booth i'm okay with that yeah
1: you you get rid of ralph who is basically the real life version of anchorman (sighs) and then you you've got ricky carmichael who is basically a mouth breather who needs to have direction (laughs) In what he's talking about, and yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think a three person booth could work. If Chad Reed's one of those, if three. Chad Reed is one of those three, uh, Ricky Carmichael cannot be in there by himself. He needs somebody to direct him, sure, and somebody to compete with.
0: Yeah, because well, that that's what it is, right? Yeah. Well, that
1: was something. That was something that we saw last week when Reed was in the booth. Reed would talk, and then Ricky was clearly competing with him, as far as talking points goes.
0: Um, Just need a little bit of that. Relight that, that competitive, competitive fire yeah. for Ricky. Uh, let's go over our predictions for last week. Let's make some for this week. I think I, I'm not ready to make any 250 East predictions yet, so let's see what they look like next week. But let's talk about what we did for last week. All right. Last week, you predicted Forkner, Cooper, and Hero of the Day, Hart and Raft. All right. Um, so you left out Ferrandis, the winner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Probably not the smartest. No, but it's all right. Uh, that's okay. I wasn't um, going for smart. I was going for upset. Right. Uh, Forkner and Cooper obviously finished top three, so you got some points there. I actually nailed the winner. I had Verandes, uh winning it. I had Cooper in second and Forkner in third. So, actually, I was pretty damn close. If you just swap Forkner and Cooper, I yep. think uh, you know I would have nailed it. So, And I think at this point, we're, again, we've talked about it. We're far enough into the season where as long as if you just pick those three to be in your top three, you're 90% of the time going to be damn close. Right. Um. Similar thing happened in the 450s. You had you nailed the winner. Uh, you had Webb winning. And then you had Rox and Tomac. Obviously, Roxon Tomac did not have great nights last night, so they did not finish on the podium. But I did the same thing. I had Tomac winning, Roxon in second. They did not finish, so no points there. And I had Webb in third. So you won the 450s. I won the 250s. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's
1: look for uh... – Oh, one of the things that we're looking at doing possibly is uh... – a uh, possible predictions thing.
0: Yeah, we've later talked in about week. It a little
1: bit. Um, we're not sure if we're gonna do that, but we are. We are considering adding a um, maybe maybe not a second full podcast, but like a a brief one where we. St- Talk about our predictions. The a quick preview podcast. Yeah, instead of, uh, you know, tagging it on to the end of this one. So if you guys have any thoughts about that, um, let us know. You can hit us up on the website or on Facebook to let us know your thoughts on that. Um, so
0: you want to jump into predictions? Yeah, let's jump into predictions. Um, like I said, I'm not prepared at all to make a 250 East prediction. So I think I my thought is let's just do a 450 prediction, and then next week we can start with some 250s on the East. Side. Totally, totally on board with all you. All right, so uh, take a look at your standings. Take a look at what you got, um, and then I'm gonna write mine down right now. And let's see. Yep. I'm. Uh, just gonna fucking I'm just gonna play it safe Whoa. once again. Sorry. 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 Sorry I'll Sorry. bleep it out.
1: I'll bleep it out. It'll Beep. be the first bleep. Oh man, that's awesome. I got the first bleep. The first bleep. Yes. So if you guys haven't noticed, we've been trying to keep our language clean for the uh the past few weeks. Um just I have, because I have a tough of, time uh, doing that
0: sometimes, especially when I get animated and excited. Right. Um no, I'm tired. It's alright, it's alright. Right. Things happen. So, buddy, all right, I got mine written down. What are your 450 predictions for next week in Tampa? I'm going to go.
1: So here's the thing. If I put anybody but Eli Tomac or Ken Roxon in the number one spot, that pretty much means that Eli Tomac and Ken Roxon finished outside of the top three.
0: Yeah. So and do you really <clears throat> think that happens for either of them two
1: weeks in a row? No I'm mean, depending on the track if the track is another um, uh, difficult passing situation and difficult start, it could happen, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna put Tomac up front number one. I'm going to put Webb at number two, and I'm going to put Rox in it at number three. Yeah, got last
0: week's results going on there. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty hard to go against any of those three. I don't think Rocks and Tomac finish outside of the top three more than one week in a row at this point. They're just There's too much at stake. Uh, Webb has absolutely made his presence felt and has announced his arrival into this championship <laughs> thing. I have also Tomac winning it um and my reasoning there I actually had Roxon at first my reasoning there is uh they're in Florida and Tomac tends to do really 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 well in warm weather uh Florida based tracks uh Daytona's one of them I know they're in Tampa not Daytona but I just feel like that's just, it's it's got a Tomac kind of a feel written on it so uh Tomac Roxen in, in second um because, again, just the two of them are too good. And Webb at third. I, I'm pretty sure that's the exact same prediction I had for last week. It is. It's the same prediction <laughs> I had for last week. But, hey, if it ain't broke, right? you know, um, there's, how do you how do you predict anyone else in the top three? I think you could make a case for Ciancerulo, but that would require one of these three getting a bad start. Right. You could make a case for Barsha. Also require one of these three making a bad start. And I think any one of these three with decent starts – at all puts them in podiums. Yeah, right now, and <clears throat> it's
1: it's really the same thing for the top if all of the top five. If if Baggett gets a whole shot and can sit just sit out front, um, you can make a case that Baggett's going to win the race next week. Same thing with Tomac, Ciancerulo, Webb, and uh, after what I saw last night, I think you could say the same thing for Barsha. Um, it, maybe. <laughs> uh, this it's this is just. This is a great year of racing, um, possibly the best one that I've seen since Reed and Stewart. It's certainly the most We're wide going. open.
0: Yeah, it, it it really is the most wide open, where you know you have this many riders that are legitimately within reach of the championship at this point.
1: Yeah, it's just fun to watch. It's really fun to watch. I'm glad. I'm glad that the the talent pool is starting to expand and uh it'll be interesting to
0: see steve it's gonna be you know it's, i'm really excited to see it's gonna be so interesting to see what happens next week in tampa <laughs> uh, i think that does it for us guys um thank you as always for listening uh taking the time out and we've got we've actually been getting a lot of really good feedback um over the course of the past few episodes from yeah you we guys. got one
1: crazy crazy comment on facebook this they, week you
0: want us to do the commentating yeah,
1: they're like I, we want you guys to be in the booth. We
0: can do let's strike a deal with Supercross. We can do what they've actually started doing on Twitch for some NFL games where like we get the we get to broadcast the races on our Twi- on a Twitch channel and then we can just superimpose us on it but like we'll just mute the races and just comment <laughs> or get like the audio feed from the from the race and be commentators. there's actually been uh there's a precedent there of, yeah in other sports of, of people doing that so keyword you want...
1: being other sports though
0: yeah well uh let's get the fans on board with this <laughs> you guys start spamming them with we want these guys as our new commentators because you know we can talk for that long yep <laughs> yes we can <laughs> Um, but we'll bring in the experts too to give us some of that, right, you know, professional rider insight, like Chad. You yeah. Because I mean? professional riders, we are not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, professional talker about professional riders, we yes. are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for listening, man. We'll we'll, we'll talk to you next week from Florida, and um, have yeah. a good one, man.
1: Like, yes. subscribe, share, Jug Club, do all those things, and we'll see you next week.
0: Later. Peace.